C. Hoffman will likely never know that he passed through the Great Breach on the same day that many of the most powerful and influential people in Malifaux fought for dominion at Kithera. These two events have nothing in common other than fate chose Hoffman and the individuals at Kithera to embroil in the lives of unwanted adventure. These two events have nothing in common other than fate chose Hoffman and the individuals at Kithera to embroil in lives of unwanted adventure. For Hoffman, he was dragged reluctantly by his older brother on a quest to meet a man rumored to possess the technology and scientific wherewithal to help free him from the effects of polio, achieving an independence and strength denied him since early childhood. As the more gifted of the two brothers, Ryle always cast a long and deep shadow over his frail sibling. Ryle was commanding and strong. He had few academic peers. Socially, he fit in with the highest lords of state as well as fraternized with laborers and pubs after a long workday. There was nothing Ryle could not accomplish. Hoffman, however, struggled in everything. Confined to his wheelchair or hobbling about in braces with heavy machinery strapped to his back, he studied, trying to keep pace with Ryle in just a few disciplines. Without the elder Hoffman to be compared to, the younger would have been considered a skilled engineer and mechanical scientist. As it was, he never had the chance to prove it Earthside going through the breach changed his destiny. Ryle nearly succumbed to the overwhelming energy within the breach during his transition between Earth and Malifaux. His mind snapped and his body shut down. C. Hoffman, too, underwent a transformation. The energy that enveloped them unlocked the dormant potential within him. His awakened mind reached out to the silent machines around him, bringing them to life to obey his will, as if extensions of his otherwise frail body. The circumstances were far different than the brothers expected. Ramos saved Ryle's life, albeit with a few modifications, thrusting the once weaker brother into a position where he must look after his elder brother. Ramos's knowledge wasn't enough though. Hoffman needed additional resources, possessed only by the guild, to prolong his brother's life. The guild was looking for a way to infiltrate the ranks of the Arcanists and willingly took in both Hoffmans to aid those battles. C. Hoffman now heads a new division, dubbed the Flesh Construct Crafting Illegality Charter hunting those that illegally merge the flesh with the mechanical. With his newfound affinity with machinery, awakening some kind of ghost within the machine spirit, he might be perfect to apprehend those that illegally use construct technology. His brother, however, is a perfect example of exactly the type of creature he is charged with apprehending. Ryle Hoffman began his journey to Malifaux as a hopeful apprentice, strong in both body and spirit. He was anxious to answer an invitation to work with Ramos, his controversial work in construct theory and difference engine integration into existing logic engine operating systems had drawn the attention of the brilliant inventor, and they had begun a correspondence with one another while Ryle attended Oxford. Soon, Ryle was sending Ramos concepts and suggestions on how to improve designs. Ryle was stunned by his own audacity, but when Ramos replied with an invitation for him to come and train under his tutelage, Ryle could not believe in his good fortune. He indicated his interest to Ramos, but explained that much of his theory was centered around helping his brother, who was afflicted with polio. Ryle informed Ramos that he would not rest until he devised a means to counteract his brother's crippling paralysis. Ramos told him that with MNSU resources, along with the infinite possibilities Malifaux offered, the two of them would find a way to help his brother together. Ryle abandoned his studies at Oxford mid-semester and dragged C. Hoffman along with him on the train ride that would change his life but not in a way he had expected. While traveling through the breach, Ryle and his brother were bombarded with raw ether, the energy drawn to their magical potential. 
both collapsed under the assault, but where C. Hoffman's talents were unlocked by the experience, Ryle's body and mind were nearly destroyed. His organs were unable to withstand the punishment wrought by the breach, and they shut down, one after the other. Even his mind was torn apart by the experience. He exited the breach broken and comatose. While Ryle lay dying, Ramos worked feverishly to save his life. He stripped away the flesh and organs laid waste by the ether, replacing them with life-sustaining mechanical parts. For his damaged mind, Ramos constructed a very specific logic engine, designed to maintain whatever remained of the once hopeful apprentice until such a time that the damage could be more thoroughly repaired. Ryle and his brother are both in the guild's employ now. C. Hoffman works feverishly to find some way to unlock his brother's mind and body from their mechanical prison, while Ryle serves as a guild enforcer, his new body further augmented and armed by the guild. Some of Ryle's magical potential remains, and hopefully, in addition to this magic, some other essence of Ryle remains hidden within the half-machine, half-man monstrosity Ramos created. Specifically created by C. Hoffman to aid him, this little machine lacks built-in programming or power sources and exists completely as an extension of Hoffman's will. Its multiple arms include every manner of tool to assist in design work. No one need look further than C. Hoffman's mechanical attendant to see the man's genius. The diminutive construct is almost a constant fixture by Hoffman's side, serving as both an aid and bodyguard. Equipped with a small workshop's worth of tools, the mechanical attendant is able to fine-tune other constructs to keep them running for spans of time bypassing deficiencies in their construction that prevent them from functioning efficiently. Ever mindful of the dangers of Malifaux, Hoffman also equipped his attendant with the Mauser 9 pistol, a semi-automatic weapon deadly in its mechanical employ. Hoffman finds the personal use of firearms reprehensible, but has no qualms about equipping his constructs with them if they are used to defend humans from the predations of the city's inhuman inhabitants. One mystery does surround the mechanical attendant's construction, its mode of power. The construct does not possess an access panel for replacing a worn-out soul stone, nor does it have a power plant of any kind, from a steam engine to something more esoteric such as a giant wind-up key. Instead, Hoffman installed an etheric receiver into his workhorse assistant. A device of his own design, the receiver absorbs a small portion of the ambient energy coursing through Malifaux, converting it to power in the attendant. Hoffman has yet to share the secret with anyone, especially his guild employers instead keeping his assistant close by lest the keys to his greatest invention fall into the wrong hands. Besides, this creation, like much of his latest work, is so intuitive that he has no way to document and blueprint the revolutionary device. Few know the true power Lucius Matherson wields in Malifaux. To most, he's the governor's general secretary, an unassuming but powerful functionary of the most powerful man in Malifaux. Guild representatives follow his orders as if they came from the governor general himself. With a snap of his fingers, Lucius can summon forth the might of the guild guard, using their legitimate authority to enforce order on behalf of his employer. He does this sparingly, instead relying on the weight of his own office to remove difficulties from his path by intimidation alone. A select group follows his orders with unquestioned loyalty. 
well aware that Lucius also has an ear in, or holds the reins of, many of the guild's clandestine operations in the city and beyond. Lucius demands only two things from these men and women, their unwavering loyalty to both himself and the governor general, and results. Those unable to do either vanish and are never heard from again. Lucius has his share of enemies and surrounds himself with bodyguards when he must leave the governor's mansion on guild business. Anyone seeking to harm the secretary finds it not an easy task. If an assailant were to somehow make it through his protective cordon, he would never be heard from again. Lucius is capable of protecting himself and leaves no one to tell how. No one knows exactly how old Abuela Ortega is. If asked, her curt reply of I'm old enough, followed by a swat with a wooden spoon, is enough deterrent to keep it from being asked a second time. Abuela's mind remains honed to a knife's edge, despite her aged appearance. She brooks no excuses from the youngins, and everyone who thinks they have the pepper to stand up to her has fled her presence in tears. Ornery as a razor-spine rattler with a toothache, Abuela Ortega sees to the day-to-day -day running of the family's sprawling compound known as Latigo. As the family's matriarch, she oversees the chores and defenses, often making sound strategic suggestions to her grandchildren that surprise even the veterans among them. She takes a turn at watch for Neverborn along Latigo's walls, often taunting those with an earshot with blistering insults against their lineage, sex, and reproductive preferences. Neverborn foolish enough to respond to her with force find the shotgun leaning casually against Latigo's walls is not just there for show. Despite its kick, Abuela refuses to give up her favorite weapon in favor of something lighter and easier to manage. Latigo's kitchen is where Abuela's crusty demeanor softens. She insists on doing most of the cooking for the family herself, rushing around from bubbling pot to hot plate while constantly wiping the sweat from her brow with the hem of her ever-present apron. The joke is that the Neverborn swarm near Latigo during supper time, drawn there by the smells of Abuela Ortega's cooking. There might be more truth to it than one might think. Hey everyone! It's Alex, one more time. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Do you want to stay in touch? We'd love to hear from you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoulStoryPod. The cast is on Twitter as well. You can find Moose at Moosifo, Spencer at SpareBearTheMeek, BamBam at HotBam with three M's, Logan at KOTL of the Light, and you can find me, your Fate Master, at RollForAlex. for Alex.